0: Hallelujah. You know, this month we've been declaring to be a month of healing. And so many times it's just physical healing, uh, you know, financial healing and so forth. But there are real issues in life. And these are issues that many times people become uh, the habitants of shadows. In other words, they happen to these people, but these people. Never get over it. Or they are left to deal with it on their own. Because we just think that everybody has our life. But everybody's life has tragedies and triumphs. And tragedies and triumphs can destroy us either way. If you're triumphant in prosperity, guess what? You can forget God. If you have a tragedy, you can blame God. Amen. And so, tonight, I wanted to talk about losing a child. Not a miscarriage, not a child that dies in a womb, and that is going to be included. Uh, but there, uh, the people that I had uh, was going to come and share that part had soccer games and a track meet, which happens once a year, and of course it happens on Wednesday. So, but we appreciate their uh, openness to come, but tonight our guest is going to be Julie Clay, and so Julie's going to come out and she's going to share with us the activity or the tragedy of losing a child. And some of the questions that she goes through. Hello, Julie. And uh, Julie, out of all of this, to me it is a miracle that Julie is here today. It is a miracle to me because Julie has suffered three of the tragedies that destroy people. Miscarriage several Four. Wow. then being involved a mother a young lady that got pregnant out of wedlock and caused the situation the uh, views of the world maybe of the church lots of it uh, Julie had an abortion My sister. huh My sister
1: had the abortion. her sister her sister
0: and you gave one up for adoption. I'm sorry. There's a lot in your, in your life. And uh, so, I thought to myself, how in the world does someone stay sane as much as women can be sane? After going through such tragedies that have touched her life and things that, She's had to do to survive in life. And I really wondered, but in all of this, Julie has uh, become a counselor. She is a certified counselor and she is just, uh, is in the midst of opening up her practice that will deal with drug addiction and alcoholism. And uh, uh, in, Uh, Walpaw Canetta but she's a kind of traveling that wherever you are she can meet you at a place that she's already secured and so you don't have to travel and it's not always walking into an office and uh, her rates are very 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 reasonable they're cheaper than a golf lesson and uh, so and I think that people that play golf might uh, go there before they take it up but So we're going to talk, and what we're going to do is just allow Julie to share what took place in her and her husband Brian's life just a short time ago. And as she shares this, then we will begin to talk. We aren't going to be able to be a cure-all in one service. The cure-all is trusting Christ, and no matter what we say, if it's not touched by God, it's simply words. So, Julie, you can take it from there.
1: Well, you just summed it up rather nicely. Oh,
0: yeah, well. <laughs> um,
1: gosh, many of you, maybe not, I don't know. Um, my husband and I have known each other for 20 years. Um, in high school, we met. We were in show choir together, and we actually um, had two one-night stands a year apart, and the second one we ended up getting pregnant. Um, and at that point, um, he chose not to talk to me, and we didn't talk for nine years. And when I got pregnant, um, I was coming here, and my dad was here, my, uh, my mom was going to a different church, and it was through a lot of prayer. Um, I was so alone during that time. Uh, I had nobody to talk to, so I talked to God and I prayed and I prayed about what I was supposed to do. Um, When I was in high school my sister had an abortion and I found out about it uh, about a year later and um, I was shocked that it had happened and I was, um, I found, I'm Snoopy, I like to go through people's stuff and she was at college (laughs) and I went through her desk um, in her bedroom and the paperwork was there. And um, at first I read it and I was like, what the heck is this? And then realized it. And I was, you know, I was a sophomore, I think, in high school at this point, um, which now I realize is super young. But at the time, I thought I was pretty, pretty adulty, if that's a word. And I called her, I did not handle it well. um, And I was like, is this true? What is going on? And she said, yes. And it had happened the summer before. And I remember, I remember when it happened, because I remember my mom, babying her um, and I thought she was just having cramps and having a period and I was like you never treat me like that when I'm you know going through that and I remember being a little um, a little teenage person I wasn't very nice I don't think and and so when I got pregnant um, you know I knew that I wasn't going to have an abortion that wasn't something I personally uh, felt was right for me but I didn't know what I was going to do Um, My husband went and talked to me, Um, I wrote him a letter, I went to his house, Um, I sat across from him and I said, I just want to talk to you, and he just kind of stared at me while he was eating pizza on the couch, and he didn't say a word. And I was like, okay, well, I left, and um, my mom didn't talk to me for three months, God love her, she didn't know what to do, I lived there, so I was very, very alone during that time, and so I prayed. And I really felt like God led me to um, give her up for adoption. And it was just through God. Um, I, I love kids. I love being a mom. Um, but it wasn't that time in my life where I could do that. And so I found a Christian adoption agency in Toledo. Um, I got to pick the parents. And um, we have an amazing relationship now. She is still in my life. Um, Actually, when we had all the kids dedicated, she was here. And Pastor and Pastor Phyllis got to dedicate our oldest. Um, But a long story short, I had an open adoption. And so I've known my daughter all of her life. And in the last um, well, two years since Caleb was born, she came back into our lives. So when our daughter was born, when Lillian was born, our oldest, Michaela, wasn't able to be there, and it devastated her. And when Caleb was born, her parents decided she needed to come and see him. And so that was when my husband got to meet his daughter for the first time. And we have a family picture of all, all of us.
2: Yeah.
0: And wonderful. Yeah, praise God.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and so um, all three of the kids spit an image of my husband when they were born. It's so funny. Um, you don't realize how much they look like each other. And it, it, she was born and it was like his head. And I was like, seriously? <laughs> um, but the same with our daughter. They, they, all, they all look like him uh, when they were born. But the fact that she's in our lives is, is because of Caleb, is because of our son. And so that is a huge blessing. <clears throat> um, so <clears throat> then uh, fast forward nine years, um, I was getting my master's in Illinois And I got a phone call from from my husband, Brian, and I was like, I don't, or no, he contacted me through Facebook. And I I was like, what do you want? I haven't talked to you in nine years. Um, You got a lot of talking to do is kind of what I said. And so we had a lot of conversations, and I I ended up falling in love with him. And I remember waking up one morning and thinking, my parents are going to kill me. (laughs) I fell in love with the one guy that they uh, would probably not want me to ever marry. Um, but there was a lot of healing through that. And then uh, when we got married, um, we struggled having children. Uh, I had two miscarriages before Lillian. And, and so um, it's... If you've never had a miscarriage, it's one of those things that just... The first one, they say, it's okay, you know, you'll get pregnant right away. And then the second one, it's just, it's devastating. And the process of the whole after effects, um, it's just gut-wrenching. I, I don't ever want anybody to ever have to experience that. Uh, and so when we had Lillian, um, it was just like, okay, we got this, we can do this, we're, you know. i My husband and I, never planned any of our children. Um, we just tend to look at each other and get pregnant. And, um, and so when Lillian finally got here, you know, we were like, thank you, God. This is, you know, we're going to you know, have another one. And then we had another miscarriage after that. And um, at that point in my life, I was like, maybe I'm just not supposed to have any more kids. And um, we had one of them was tested and it was a boy. And, and we named him Jeffrey from after my dad. And, um, and so we're like, maybe I'm just not supposed to have any sons. Maybe I can't have boys. You know, these are all thoughts that, that the devil was trying to put into my head. And, um, so, you know, we're like, okay, we're going to try this one more time. Um, well, we didn't actually, anyway, we, we got pregnant again and it was a boy. And so um, for me, through the whole process, I found out I have a blood clotting disorder. And so that's something that um, hinders me from from keeping a child. So it, it's really hard for me to keep a pregnancy once I get pregnant. And so there's a lot that I have to do. And so, you know, you do all the things that you're supposed to do. You do all the, that the doctors tell you to do. And then, um, you know, um, all of our children are born on Wednesdays because that's the day the doctor, my doctor, um, delivered babies. And so... Um, It just so happened that, you know, we had Caleb, and it was a Wednesday morning, and he came into this world, and it was 5.30 a.m., and the doctor made it um, with Lillian. She came pretty much as she was coming out, and she was 10 minutes before Caleb got there. So that was a relief that she actually showed up (coughs) to this one. But the same doctor who delivered our very first one, Michaela, delivered our very last one as well. And so she – I was one of the first – Burst that she actually did and one of the last so I was the beginning of her career in the last and so when when Caleb was born um it was just such a, a relief my husband really wanted a son and um and he got his baby boy and, and he looked just like his daddy um and uh yeah and he was always happy um he was always laughing. Uh, he barely slept, um, which I thought was really odd, but uh, he slept through the night after like a couple of weeks. And, but he was awake and he was always happy and, and just, he had a, an infectious laugh. Uh, and um, He said mama, twice, uh, it was in the middle of the night and uh, I woke up to feed him. And I walked in, and he looked at me, and he had this look, like, just, it was like another all-knowing look. It was, it was kind of, kind of took me back, and he just looked at me, and he smiled, and he said, Mama. And uh, so that was, that's something I'll never forget. Um, and then... On November 1st, um, well, that summer I became um, an executive director of a company and I was running a company and it was, that happened in, it happened when I came back from maternity leave, so um, sometime in June. So I was working a lot and I got to bring him, um, I got to bring him to work with me because I said that's a condition of me um, coming to work because I knew that My plan was (laughs) to go down to part-time and spend more time with my children. On the flip side, I got a a raise and a promotion, and I went to work more, um, but I brought my son with me. So he got to come with me, and he was at work with me. Um, I think two days a week is I got to bring him, and he got to be with me. So I got to spend some time with him. Uh, But on November 1st, I was in the middle of doing an assessment, and two hours before that... uh, My phone had broken, and I could get calls, um, but I couldn't turn my phone on. It was a black screen, and I couldn't see anything, and I couldn't make it work. Uh, And uh, my cell phone rang, the office phone rang, and then my cell phone rang again, and then I got a knock on the door saying I needed to talk to my husband, uh, that there was an emergency. And I was finishing an assessment and I was like, okay. So I called and, and all I remember is that um, Caleb's not breathing. You need to get to the hospital. And so I yelled down the hall and I said, I gotta go, Caleb's not breathing. And we left and I left. Um, you never know how fast your car can drive Until you're in that situation, and thank God I didn't get pulled over. Uh, But I didn't know where to go, and I didn't have a cell phone. And so I I was in Sydney, and I drove to the babysitters. He was at the sitters when this happened. And um, he just was in his car seat, and he just, she looked at him, and he wasn't breathing. And so she did CPR on him, and she started CPR. And thankfully, my daughter was asleep during all of this. She did not see any of this. Um, and so she was sleeping, uh, and the squad got there. They started working on him. They took him to the hospital. I went to the sitters, and I was like, I don't know where to go, and she told me what hospital to go to, and we ended up in St. Rita's um, in the emergency room, and um, it's the biggest emergency room I've ever seen. Typically, you're in a little closet when you go, Um, but uh, there was... Every person I think working was working on my son, and uh, um, he didn't start breathing on his own until he got to the hospital, and then um, they worked on him. Um, They got him stabilized, quote unquote. And when they were at the hospital, um, Pastor Kylan came and. And prayed for us Um, you called me Um, and ironically I think you were four floors above me when during all that Um, so I got to talk to you my mother was in Washington DC on a trip and so she was trying to figure out how to come home Um, and um, they care flighted him from Lima to Columbus and uh, that was hard because my husband was had to go in the helicopter, and I had to drive to Columbus. So my in-laws took us to Columbus, uh, took me to Columbus, and um, my father-in-law drove and he drove the speed limit. <laughs> and I kept thinking, "You can go a little faster; it'll be okay." <laughs> um, but we got there, and um, they worked on him all night. Um, I didn't have a cell phone to talk to anybody. I had my iPad. And so, um, there is a group of, of women that I'm really close to here at the church. And so we had a, a text, um, where I was keeping them updated and they were praying. Um, and every few hours they came in and told us what was wrong. And, uh, it just kept getting worse, um, you never know what a child can go through until you're in that. And each time it was, um, he was bleeding, um, there was lungs, there was water in lungs everywhere, or not lungs, water all over his body. He was retaining water. Um, and they did everything they possibly could. And uh, then at 5.30, them, though, the second, he coded and... I had to physically tell them that I, t- I had to physically say I did not want them to resuscitate my son. Well, can you say
2: that?
1: Yeah, sorry. Um I had to physically tell them that I did not want them to resuscitate him because when he coded they will do everything in their power to bring him back. And so Um, it was one of those moments where, you know, what kind of person says, please don't bring him back. (laughs) But I couldn't, I couldn't do that to him. He had, I don't know how in depth you want me to go, I'm sorry. he had so many holes in his body from the needles and trying to keep him going and try to keep him alive. And he, um, he had no, they, they put a ton of things on his head to, to make sure he didn't have any brain activity because that was, um, that was one of the final things they did to make sure there was nothing there. And he, he didn't, he was, he was, there was no activity there for, for quite a few hours before he had coded. And that was, to me, that's one of those moments of ugh, what, you know, as his mom, like, you never want to have to say that about to your child. And you never want to have to say, please don't. Please just let him go. Um, and I just wanted to hold him. And so... They unhooked him, and um, Brian's parents and my mom and Brian and I got to sit. Uh, Randy, Randy got there, I think it was maybe five minutes after, after he had died, and we all got to hold him, and I remember thinking, God, you can bring him back. It's possible. I know it happens. Just let him breathe. But he didn't. He didn't breathe anymore, and And that was it. I mean, we had to wait. After that, we had to wait. We had to wait for um, somebody to talk to us about it. And we had to give information as to what had happened. Um, and we had to sit there and it was strange, but they give him a final bath and then we weren't allowed to touch him anymore for the autopsy. And so he laid in a room and he was all covered and he had a blanket on and there was a guard. There was a, uh, I don't know if she was just like a caseworker or something who sat there with him until the, until the, um, Autopsy people—I don't know what they're called—came and got him, Um, but we had to leave him. We had to leave him there, and he stayed there, and we had to come home, Um, and that was hard. Wow, that. Um. And then we had to tell our daughter that her brother wasn't coming home, and then we had to tell um, my husband has a, a son. Uh, we had to tell him. Uh, and then we had to call and tell our oldest um, that he had passed away. Uh, but you never know um, how strong a person's faith is or how, how connected they are with God. Um, but when we got home, my husband said, I want to go to church. And I was like, Okay. Sounds like a good place to go. Um, <laughs> it was a Wednesday um, we didn 't go that night. Uh, we had a lot of people that were coming o- that came over and uh, but um, you always fear you always hear those stories about how couples don 't make it through right. the loss of right. a child and how um, it tears them apart and yes. how they, they get separated and I just I knew that night that. And we talked about it that late, that we weren't going to let this tear us apart, that this was not going to be something that destroyed us. Um, we, have, we have been through a lot together. Um, we have worked through a lot, and, and this was not going to be something that ended our relationship. Um, and so it was one of, I was very proud of him at that moment, that he wanted to come to church. And I um, yeah. Oh, sorry. I just sniffled into the microphone. Um, and so we did, uh, we sat, uh, we stood over there um, for many, many weeks, um, bawling. I, I, don't, I don't think I made it through very many services without just bawling through all of it. And um, we just kept going, really. Um, I physically felt broken I physically felt like I was never going to be OK or I was never going to not cry. Um, I cried every day. I, I went to We both went back to work after a week. Um, that's just the type of people that we are. And um, I just sat at my desk and cried and typed <laughs> a lot. Um, people would come to my door and they wouldn't know what to say. And it's, it's you know, there's really not a lot you can do.
2: Can I ask you a question, Julie? How did you get over, what helped you get over your grief for, for Caleb?
1: I'm not over it.
2: You're not over it? No. And it's been how
1: long? Two and a half years. Wow. Um, he died in 2016. Um, he, he was only alive for six and a half months. Um, I, I don't know if I ever will. Get over okay. it. Okay. For for a lot of people, grief grieving is very different for very very many a lot of people, and we all grieve differently, and we all have different things that we ways that we grieve. Um, one of the most amazing things that have happened to us is is my husband and I have always wanted to live out in the country. We're a little bit of we're hillbillies a little bit. We like to to be outside and play on four wheelers and stuff. And um, we were able, it's been about a year, to um, purchase a home that actually overlooks the grave sites where my son is buried and where my dad is buried and my grandparents. Um, Some people would think that's a little creepy. uh, But um, we're whole, so to speak. we are able to look out our back window and see him. Um, I know he's in heaven. I know that he's not here on earth, uh, but for my husband, that is a very big part of his grieving process. And he needs to have that contact. And my daughter needs to have that contact. Um, but I'm not one that really likes to go to grave sites. That's, for me, that's, that's very different. Um, when my dad passed away, I, I didn't actually go back to his grave until really. I think my son is buried right beside him. Um, but we, uh, my grief will probably be forever. For what? My grief will probably be for the rest of my life, um, but it goes in waves. I, I will. The very first year was very rough on all of us, and we. Um, it was a day-to-day struggle and the month up to the anniversary of his death um, it was very a lot of tension a lot of just we kind of my husband and I bit our, each other's heads off a lot uh, we argued a lot just kind of nitpicky because we were edgy about the fact that his anniversary was coming up where um, you know our daughter um, talks about him all the time um, she she's not ashamed to talk about him, and, and I don't want her to ever be. Um, but that first year was very rough on her too, because she no longer had a baby brother, right. and um, she so desires to have siblings her age, and and she's not going to have that, and you know she she gets she's missing out on that piece, and she's missing out on that kinship that that um, she had and you know she could make him giggle like no other and and she loved she loves being a big sister um, so we had to deal with that as well and how you know how do you tell your five-year-old or you know she was three at the time that her baby brother is not coming home for a long time she thought he lived at the funeral home um, because that's you know the last place she saw him and, and so um, she would, we'd drive by, and she's like, that's where my baby brother is. And no, he's in heaven. Um, and so, but now, you know, if you ask her, um, don't be shocked when she tells you that he's potty training and that um, he's learning to walk and that um, he plays with Jesus and Grandpa Jeff and that um, he has... Um, He has four brothers and sisters in heaven because we've had four miscarriages. And so um, he's got more siblings than she does in heaven. She's a little jealous. And um, we're still trying to figure out how to convince her that she doesn't want to be there because she wants to be in heaven. She wants to be in heaven. She wants to be with her baby brother and her grandpa. And she's discovered she has great grandparents that are in heaven, and so she wants to be with them too.
0: (laughs) So I think you said, something that uh lots of people don't understand is i don't think people get over Mm
2: -hmm.
0: tragedies that affect their life life but that we live beyond them Mm -hmm. it's not that they are not a foundational stone that's been laid in there for whatever reason but that we can't remove that stone but we can live beyond it we can build on it, but it's something that has been a part of our life. And uh, I talk to people that, you know, have lost children through suicide or whatever, and it's 50 years later, and they tell me this story, and they begin to weep like it was yesterday. And so I don't think that people ever get over things we just some way in the coping mechanism, in the strength of God, we get healed and we live beyond it, but we cannot exclude that moment or that tragedy, that that is tragedy, something happens without any rhyme or reason, it just, it has effect and it has cause, and sometimes there's just no answer to what takes place.
1: Yeah, my husband um, can be very angry about it. Um, He doesn't understand why something so precious and and small um, was taken. And for um, for Lily, we you know, and well, it's the truth. The devil, the devil, stole him. Is is what happened. Um, He he uh, he came and he took something from our family. He tried to destroy us and we tell her that it's it's not going to happen, you know, it's not going to destroy our family, it's not something that we are going to let destroy us, this will not break us, um, this will not kill us, this will, we're going to live, and we're going live, to yep. live for it, and live better because of it. Um.
0: Yeah, amen. Uh, I, I remember uh, talking to Barna and you uh, later, and I said, so how are you doing? Well, really, we was just kind of ticked off. I said, "Oh, oh, yeah, well, good. I said, I want to encourage you to get in the room, remove everything about you that you think you may like later, and get in there and just tell God what you think. Throw things, break dishes, stomp on it, tear it up. You say, well, why? Anger left depressed, not confronted, not expressed. And I'm not talking about people getting angry for trivial things. That's not, that's not what, that, that's just not acceptable. But, you know, we get angry because we don't understand. I said, so why don't you get in a, a room and get a, everything you want out of there and everything you don't want, just use as uh, expressions of your anger and say, you know, God, look, I, I don't hate you. I, I'm not against you, but I just am flat mad. And I don't understand what went on. Some would say, well, why would you do that? You think God doesn't know what's in the heart? Sometimes, you know, talking, releasing, screaming, uh, whatever it might be, is one of the things that begins a healing process. Uh, I'm never ashamed to tell God, you know, I don't like this God. But I'm not going to prefer my dislikes over your will or your purpose. I don't think this is just God, but your word says that it is. So I will do what's just. I don't think, God, that this was right. I don't think it should have ever happened to me. Why would it happen to me? I'm doing everything right. But things do happen to people. There is a devil. There are people. There is life and it's very frail you know we, we breathe in one breath and we're alive we breathe out another and we're not and uh, so I never ever try to hide how I feel from God because he knows it and one day he's going to confront and say hey why don't we talk about this and we're just to say well I don't want to well that's an impasse. So, but uh, I don't know if you ever did that, but I'm sure if you did, you have to replace stuff. But uh, it is just sometimes talking, not only to people. And uh, sometimes people, when they talk, they aren't asking us to fix it. They're just asking us to hear it. It's like water that is flowing through a pipe. If you keep it flowing pretty soon without, you know, talking about, you know, corrosions and all those, pretty soon the pipe cleanses itself. And all of the dirt that was in the water begins to flow out. And a lot of times, you know, we can talk to people, let it flow out, get it out of your system. Not that, again, not that you erase it. It's just that it is a way that we can get this out of us so that we can, you know, the Bible tells us that we speak with the abundance of our heart. And if your heart is overwhelmed with an issue, then it begins to taint everything that is in your heart, your faith, your love for others, your service, you you know, it begins to taint it all. So we need to empty our hearts from things that will pollute us, that will harm us, that will literally begin to eat away at us. Remember that the Bible spoke about their words, eat like a cankerous. It's like an inside cancer that cannot be resolved. But if you don't get those things out, they certainly affect us. So I don't think that it is ever you know, when people say, well, you know, well, it's been so long. It's never too long if it's affecting you to talk about. It. I mean, you, we run into married people and they're constantly talking about their past. Well, you know, my spouse did this a bit, did that. And what will help them is that they just let it flow out. And, uh, you know, they're angry at people, they're angry at God, they're, you know, disappointed in their self. A lot of times, this stuff has to get out, and uh, but I don't think we should ever hide our emotions, uh, you know, or our hurts, our brokenness from God. Who else can we go to? Right. It, now, thank God for you know people that can talk and listen to us uh, professionally, uh, but it really is God that is the healer of this brokenness. Amen. Uh, that i i can 't even imagine in my mind i i i don 't know i couldn't imagine in my mind that how I would go on i 'm sure that I would, but would I go on in the same capacity i i don 't know i I do not know I hope that I would have the faith, the strength, the love you know the the ability to walk through a valley that was so dark that there might not be a day that I didn't cry, a day that I was not filled with remorse, a day that I could go without thinking or being possessed with the thought of a tragedy. I I don't know. I'm hoping that I'm of that caliber of man. but. I hope I never have to go through that valley, but if I did, I hope that I have what Julie and Brian, their family had to help me through, and I live beyond something that was construed, planned, and constructed of the adversary to destroy me and my family and everything about me. So I hope that I would be that kind of man. I I don't want to walk that valley. But when I see people like Julie and Brian and other people in our church that go through this, there is a depth of faith and a tenacity, a strength, a rooting that says, you know what? This is not going to redefine us. It doesn't redefine God. We may have million questions and the why journey may never get answered but it's not going to redefine and it's not going to strip us of our faith and it's not going to stop us from living for Christ so to that I just I commend you and Brian and other people that have went through that and um, uh so I have a question Okay yeah baby were you
2: were you able to comfort yourself was with the word what was the word a comfort to you Or were you able to even get into the Word?
1: At first, no. Um, I think kind of what Pastor said, for me, I couldn't say anything to God. I didn't have anything to say. I I didn't know where to begin. Um, I just kind of stood there in front of him and cried um, because I I didn't know what to say to it. I didn't know... Um, where to begin Uh, I remember just I wanted to pray but I didn't know what to pray I didn't know how to pray and so for me I was just silent with him and I cried with him Um, and that was okay Um, it's it's okay to did you get mad at God probably okay I can get angry Um, okay what about Brian he's very angry he's still angry he's still angry with Mm -hmm. God yeah. He's not angry with God. Oh, he's, just he's just angry, angry about it. Yeah. Um, why something so precious and something that, um, has done no wrong, um, is gone and, and, and why we didn't get to have him and why we don't get to see what he looks like as an adult or, or, um, get to see him walk or get to see him say anything else. And, um, did, did the devil try
2: to make you blame yourself?
1: Oh, yeah, all that he still does. Yeah. Um, those thoughts of what could I have done differently? Yeah. Uh, could I have done anything differently? Should I have prayed more? Could I have fasted and put oil on him? Or would that have stopped it? Or, um, you know, that morning, I didn't kiss him goodbye because he was sleeping and I didn't want to wake him because he doesn't right. nap. And so, you know, I, I didn't kiss him. And that stinks you know, but I can't change that it uh, you know i i can't I can't go back in time and say i want i would have done that um and we had a conversation with the sitter as well because um she was the one that did the c p r and she was her life has forever changed as well wow, um she had a lot of things that happened in her life and you know, I can't imagine what the, she went through. And I'm so thankful I didn't have to do CPR and I didn't have right. to be part of that right. as his mom. Um, but, but going back to your question is, I, I just sat and stood at God's feet and I didn't say anything um, because I didn't know what to say. I think now um, I scream sometimes. I do do that. We live in the country. Nobody can hear me. If they do, they're not going to get there any soon, soon enough to see what I'm doing. Um, So I I do that every once in a while. Um, We go to the grave site, you know, we, and um, we ride on balloons. And I know that's not the best thing for the environment, but um, we say hi to them and we watch them go up into the heavens and we you know lily draws pictures for him and that's her way of communicating to him and um talking to him and you know saying we love him it's a it's a way for us to grieve it's a way for us to connect with him and you know um we pray to jesus and ask jesus to say hi to him and you know that's another way that we grieve and so I can't necessarily, I know for me now, reading the scripture is just comfort. Um, would, would you have any words for the mothers out
2: there that have lost a child? And he was how old, Julie? Six and a half months. Six and a half months mm-hmm. or around, you know, where he was laughing and smiling and calling you mama and all that. Yeah. Uh, um, would you have any words for the mothers out there to encourage
1: him? Don't beat yourself up no matter how you grieve because the way that you grieve is okay and don't compare yourself to anybody else um, because we're all different and we all grieve differently and if you look at somebody and you say well she's doing really good um, don't do that you are entitled to how you feel you are entitled to grieve for ten years and cry for ten years if that's what you need to do And, and there's nothing we can do to change the situation. There's nothing that we can do to make it undone, if that makes sense. Um, we can't change this. We can't. We can't bring our children back. Um, no matter how much I would love to have him and see him and and know what, what he looks like and watch him walk and talk and you know all of those things. Um, I don't get to do that, and and that's okay. Um, You're okay where you're at. Reach out and talk to somebody. Um, You know, I'm available. I I talked to a couple of mothers who had lost children during that time and it was a comfort to know that I wasn't the only one feeling that way. That was comfort to me. That, oh, okay, that's normal. Or you did it too, so at least two people in this world have felt that way, so I'm I'm doing okay. Um, And be okay with where you're at. There are days where feels just like yesterday, yeah. you know, um, this morning um, when we talked, I was, you know, all day, I've, I've thought about him, and what was I going to say? Is there a brilliant piece of wor- wisdom I can, you know?
0: Well, I, I don't think that anyone with any ounce of understanding or compassion expects anybody to be perfect going through these. Uh, and I don't think that uh, there is a prescribed way to go through it. Paul wrote and said, look, I tell you, don't sorrow because, you know, be absent from the bodies, to be with the Lord. But he just dealt with, look, sorrow and grief are two different things. He says, don't sorrowful for those. You know, they are in heaven. So there's the grieving process that everybody goes through. And, uh, you know, some especially with children are always seems to be deeper and because we have expectations and you know, the future was in them and so forth. And you look at David's uh, men, when they came to Ziklag, they grieved. They were ready to stone someone. How, How in their heart could they justify a conscious act of 600 men thinking the same thing, let's kill David, he's the cause. David wasn't the cause, David was still a victim himself. Yet grieving causes people to go through that and I don't think that there's any right way or wrong way to grieve, I think that you have to, you were silent and that's okay. I mean, you know, but God was still there and that these, you know, God is so encompassing, you know, even if we're silent, things are happening on the inside of us. And uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is our comforter, he's there. Yes. And uh, you know, so I don't think that there is just, well, this is the way you do it. I think that, again, it is everybody, you know, uh, you know, you look at there are 20 fold, 34, 60-fold, 80 fold Christians. Everybody is dealing with things. Everybody is encountering the adversary. Uh, Everybody's going through issues in life that, you know, they can go beyond and enhance, but some people don't have the ability to go on. Uh, But that's all right. We still love them right where we are because we aren't expecting them to be us. We aren't expecting them to, be this be that listen we have faith but we don't have faith to the point that we criticize people because they don't have faith that's a void of love and that's just not faith but what we do understand is that everybody has their dimension of faith and they will use that faith to reach out and to touch god to get over things and to stay connected to god but their faith and their journey is not ours. Right. Nobody, you know, I'm, a, I'm not your run-of-the-mill preacher, but I wasn't raised as a run-of-the-mill person. And I'm not a, I don't think about conning, I don't think about making everything palatable because my job is not for you to love me, that's your commandment my job is to preach an understandable truth that you have got to incorporate now whether i do it right whether i do it wrong god had my personality and believe it or not he just threw me into your life so god says put up with it you need it now the delivery may not be as as well or this or that you never, you never get to judge me on delivery, you get to judge me on content. Uh, I don't think that the donkey had a personality of uh, Robert Shuler. Uh, I'm not sure that Paul would be welcome in most churches. I don't think Jesus would be welcome in most churches. And I'm sure that Peter and James and the other apostles would be when they said, you know what, we're not gonna feed your widows, you take care of that. We're gonna pray and study. That would have been very offensive to most people. And Paul said, the more I love you, the more I'm hated. So we have to let people be people. We can't make them be cookie cutter respondents. That's not truth, and that's not being who you are. Be who you are, just never intentionally or let it be your motive to offend someone. But when somebody's talking that has been through what like Julian and Brian and other people have been through, don't try to judge them. You know, I've seen a sign that says, don't judge a man until you walked a mile in his shoes or his moccasins. And that's kind of true. You never know, you know, what is in the knapsack that he's carrying. You know, we don't know. So, let's let people be people. Let them, you know, do things that they need to do in life. But there's not just this cookie cutter, this is how you should do it. Uh, Because really, grieving is not defined in the scripture of how to cope with it.
2: Okay, in closing. Yes. Okay, tell us, uh, I, I hate to say this, but I don't know what to say to people when they've lost a child. So in closing, tell me what is bad and what is good. Because I never know what to say, because you don't want to hurt them. You understand, right? I, oh and, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> see, because they go through it. <laughs> um, I don't think there's necessarily, I could probably do a whole list of things, don't don't say this, but everybody's different. Uh, so what i may think you really just said that to me seriously um somebody else made that's what they need to hear so i there's not really any right or wrong thing to say other than i'm praying for you Um, what can i do to help okay um do you need anything Um, we had um, i don't even know who it was somebody put together a meal train and um, brought food to our house. We didn't That's have to cook great. a meal. A meal uh, mm-hmm. thing um, that was something we needed um, because we couldn't. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't. Right. F- we didn't really know how to function. We just kind of existed for a while. So that was very helpful, and that lasted, um, I think, about a month after. Um, wow. Yeah, for about a month. That's so great. that was that was yeah. a blessing. Um, you know, just ask them what you can do. If you can do anything, you okay. know, tell them, I don't really know what to say, yeah. but I'm okay. here. And if you want to talk, you can. If not, I'll sit beside you. Yeah, it's okay. that's good. That's a good word. Good word.
0: I think sometimes that people think they have to have the answers. It's, it's not always that. Uh, I think it's just being there. And when something happens, everybody's there. But as time goes on, few people are there. I know. and so when we're involved in something a tragedy or something of that nature, realize we have to be committed as believers for the long run and uh, you know six months down the road is still not two and a half years restricted. down the road is still not too long a period right. to still reach out I'm praying hey I was thinking of you guys today you know, I'm believing God for, you know, uh, strength. I'm wow. lifting you up. Yeah. Those things are still needed because, as she said, they're living beyond it. Right. And so, life still needs help and uh, all of that. And it, it can quickly suck you back into it, uh, even though you think you're beyond it or you're over it. So, uh, I think that the long-term caring one for another is far more important than just the show of support or care at that
1: time. The people who remember his birthday and uh, reach out on his birthday and the people who remember uh, the day he died, um, that says more to me when they send me a text, say, hey, just thinking of you and him, it was his birthday, he would have been, you know, three. Um, Or, hey, you know, this is the day your life changed. You know, that for me is I will be your friend until the day we're in heaven together. Wow, that's great.
0: Because one thing we have to understand, death is not end. We are encompassed about this great cloud of witness. There's no sense in talking about people that like they've never existed or like they don't exist. They do exist and they have existed. I remember uh, this was just a small thing but your mother's anniversary came up and uh, how your dad always did a certain thing on her anniversary. So I did the anniversary deal for her on that anniversary. Uh, those things are things that we all can do to people when we're mindful of them. And so we need to, uh, the long-term care uh, is more impactful than the short-term care. So. Uh, again it is not an all-encompassing you know one message heal all but I hope that it sparks that we have ears to hear that we understand that even though people look like they have everything together they're dealing with life and everybody has a story and that we can listen to the story and if we can help them move beyond the story then let's do that. And that doesn't mean that you have to fix them. That means that you just let them use your donkey. That means that you have seen them. That means that you can pay a price for them so that they can be prepared when Jesus returns. That's what we need to do. Amen? Amen. All righty. Praise God. Julie, thank thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. I, I know it's, it's tough, but I, you I help think me understand people something. will really be touched it. and it'll start healing that processes. So let's, let's pray and then we'll dismiss. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for the faith, the courage, and God, the, just the patience and the reliance that is not seen out in the open that people that go through this have in you. God, some way, They just trust that God is going to help them. And God, you do. For all of those, God, that are wrestling, beating themselves up, God, being condemned, God, still not moving beyond. God, we just ask that. God, we don't want them to forget. But God, we want them to build and be stronger. And God, if we can help, let us be sensitive. Let us be helpers, caregivers, encouragers of faith. And God, we ask you just to touch people and help heal them, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.